miniseries. I'm excited. Yeah. I've never I've never seen any of these movies before. Me neither. Me neither. I only saw photos and said, hmm. <laughs> I I didn't know there was a second one. I How knew the about fuck the fuck is there a second one? There's a I, third one. It, the, the the fucked thing about the second one that I, you know, know cuz I haven't seen them is that uh oh my god. Oh my god. Hugh Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant Grant fuck me. The only thing that was coming was Jackman and I knew that wasn't it. <laughs> the only thing that was like bubbling up to the surface of my brain stew was just Jackman like Wolverine. <laughs> um, like the greatest showman. Uh Hugh Grant's on the cover of it. So Hugh Grant's character is still like a going concern in the I second know. one. I know. I'm like how in the fuck? Unthinkable. Worrisome. Um, well, let's just like, I mean, we've already kind of started talking about it. Yeah. Um, hell yeah. Welcome to Dead Horse, a podcast about under-discussed That's right. film franchises. <laughs> uh, the uh, unsung, unheralded, unliked, you know, your what have yous. Um, I am Dixon, and you probably uh, know me best from uh, the time I was like six and I jumped in a kiddie pool at a Savannah Sand Nats game, um, but it was right before we had to go, so I made the car all wet. <laughs> I'm Becky, and you know me from when I was six and I stole something from Toys R Us and my sister ratted on me and no. made me turn it in. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like set the tone for the rest of our lives. <laughs> No thanks. Wendy, you were right. <laughs> Shout out to Wendy. She was right. Um, but, you know, I really I, w- I really wish I had that fucking toy still. <laughs> Do you remember what it was? It was like a like a candy dispenser or something like that. Come on, Wendy. I know. I'm like, Wendy, <laughs> I could have done so much with that. Why'd she have to set you on the straight and narrow? Dude, I don't know. Took all the thrill out of your life. My name is PJ Audenzia. And you don't know me, because I am not a person. I am elemental. I am the song in the wind through the trees. I am the inherent eroticism of the sea. I am the stars. (laughs) And I've got really bad gas. (laughs) We're doing a new mini-series. Yeah, yeah. Um... Jesus, I can't believe that there's three of these things. Every every time I remember that, it blows my mind. But we're doing Bridget Jones's Diary, and we're starting with... Bridget Jones's Diary, um, a film, and this is a dead horse first that none of us had ever seen before. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a first in a couple ways. I mean, we hadn't really, we certainly hadn't done any movies that were directed by women, mm-hmm. um, which was one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting about this. We'd been doing so much goofy, dumb, flashy stuff and genre stuff that I, I was certainly feeling a hunger to talk a little bit about um, human behavior again in, in any capacity. That's really <laughs> where to find it, is Bridget Jones' <laughs> diary. Like looking in a mirror. <laughs> Page out of my own life, huh? <laughs> I'm always throwing my college mates through plate glass windows. Me too, me too. Having older British men, like, fight over me. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I I can't I can't get them to stop. I'm so I've been doing a lot of like de-escalation training, just sort of in that area. <laughs> I, but I think also what's remarkable about the the Bridget Jones trilogy, such as it is, is that 
you know, there aren't a lot of rom-coms that get turned into franchises. There's not a When Harry Met Sally mm. trilogy, but I would watch it. I was not aware of how monstrous a success this movie was. Like, mm-hmm. I knew it had space in people's hearts, um, and, like, many people consider it a classic of, like, the modern rom-com. I did not know it made $300 million fucking dollars on a $25 million budget. Like, that is that is wild. What country was that in? Was that in the U.S. or was that globally? I believe that that is a global number. Um, uh, let me scroll and don't talk. This is good audio. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't feel like looking harder than I was. <laughs> but 300 globally for a, a little drama about mm. a, uh, a skinny person who thinks that they aren't one yeah. is, is bananas. Yep. Yeah, especially something that is, like, so British. I like, you know, because obviously um, this was a mass release, and obviously Renee Zellweger is not British, even though she nails the accent. Nails. Great job there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was really surprised by how specific they kept a lot of the, like, localities and, and, and slang and stuff. Um, and I wish I knew, like, a little bit more about British culture just to like be wowed by it more <laughs> yeah yeah or, or to like see if any of the stuff that struck me as odd was like a little bit more culturally like right eh, right right just how we do it over the, uh never so apologies to every listener <laughs> i bet that's the first time you've ever said to yourself i wish i knew more about british culture oh absolutely first and probably last if I had to guess. Yeah, I'm putting my American beans on my American toast, and I'm thinking this just isn't the same. <laughs> <laughs> There's something in the water that makes the beans taste better. Uh, <laughs> you love beans, too. I love them. I can't get enough of them morning, noon, and night. Beans, beans, beans. <laughs> that's what I say. Uh, so I guess let's start broadly. and Well, actually, no. Uh, I should like throw out a plot description or something. Probably right? Sure, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Bridget Jones. It's Renee Zellweger. Bridget Jones is a 32-year-old woman, um, and she gets this diary, and we're listening to it, and we're seeing it sometimes um, in different places. Uh, if you look around London, you'll might, you'll might see it. Um, her main problem is that her boss is, like, there, she's, um, her, her big issue <laughs> is that her boss and her are are dating but there's also colin firth um and the boss is Mm -hmm. hugh grant and there's also colin firth um and they're both like you know seemingly kind of like weird compromised people but they both are sweet on her and she needs to figure out um who she will take the sweets from and refine (laughs) it into zellweger candy Mm -hmm. to give back um to put in their new year's poppers that's for when the ball drops. Really, that's spot on. Exactly <laughs> what I watched. Um, so I guess just generally, I liked this movie. I had some reservations, but overall, I I walked away with a positive impression. I feel the exact same. I mm-hmm. when I was watching it in the beginning, I was like, "Ew, what the fuck!" Like. <laughs> what is this because my what i had thought it was was like they were two equal opportunities of like hugh grant is great and colin firth is great who will she pick i thought that was the whole point because there's a franchise <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know hugh grant would be an insufferable like 
uh, just just unforgivably misogynistic portrayal of a person mm-hmm. and that she would be that she would like it for so long mm-hmm. um so it was just a very like drab beginning but then i but then but then i was like oh it's because then we get something nice in the end so i liked it at the mm. end and i and i i i was charmed by a lot of the 2001 isms that didn't involve um uh lessening the impact of sexual harassment and assault yeah mm-hmm. yeah a lot of 2000 uh the 911 footage they spliced into it just you know it doesn't sort of like work in today's climate <laughs> absolutely not absolutely not <sighs> So funny then, though. <laughs> it was really fu- and all by myself is playing under it. Uh, Jesus, sorry. Um, it's wild that we've covered so many 2001 movies on this year of the podcast in 2021. We've gotten <laughs> to see so many like 20th anniversaries, and like while Spy Kids was, you know, it being a thing made for nine year olds when I was nine, you know, that's something I was there for, and this is a movie that that missed me and for as much like oh gosh times have changed um like the 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 weight of of me being of my generation and and times having changed that like kind of pull me out of it um like just how i i mean we'll get into it the character of how normal it is in um this shitty world surrounding bridget that she has internalized we'll we'll get into all of it but for as much of that as there was, um, I was I was very very won over by this movie and its hero and by my God Renee Zellweger um, and I I also really liked this uh, this director and the performances um, across the entire thing um, mm-hmm. and I I also just can't wait to talk about our two fellas in this thing um, because mm-hmm. while um both of their characters kind of piss me off um (laughs) hugh grant and colin firth hot take seems like they might be kind of good at acting Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind handsome i think Uh, a little bit a little bit maybe perhaps sophisticated oh i don't know about hugh grant that's that is an actual hot take i don't know (laughs) on this note though i want to say this is the first time so like i like colin firth as an actor a lot Mm -hmm. i kind of didn't understand people's attraction to him like i'd heard (laughs) about how hot he was for so long and every time i saw him he was like good but i was like i just don't get it like he looks like a guy he looks like a you know police sketch um but uh but in this one it really dawned on me yeah, like what same. about him like beyond just like looks what about like his demeanor is so enticing yes, so true mm-hmm. i also was like struck by like the sexiness of his mystique you know and mm-hmm. like and like i i actually never heard about like colin firth colin firth traps you get it? <laughs> oh, no. What do we think? Good? Not so good. Okay. Um, I uh, I hadn't heard about that, but I was watching this and I was like, oh, like he is magnetic in his his mm-hmm. grumpiness. 
Um, <laughs> and then Hugh Grant was really, I thought he was great. I, I also don't hate Hugh Grant. I know a lot of people do. I, I like him. Um, mm-hmm. and I thought he was disgusting and charming in this. I, yes. I like Hugh Grant. Me too. Me too. I think a lot of British people hate him because he's like, and because he's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and he I just get that. does his thing, and I'm like, so, sorry, his thing is magnetic. Like, <laughs> sorry, he's good at like being him. Like, I can't do that all the time. I'm glad James Corden came around to take some of the heat off him. <laughs> just sort of took on the throne. <laughs> and there's also, you know, an across the pond hatred of James. You know that I think mm-hmm. you know it unites it unites the belts. He's really like like Zack Snyder's vision of Superman in that way. <laughs> he has to be hated by everyone to kind of bear the weight of our sins like Christ. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, Sting's uh, If the Russians Love Their Children Too is about how uh, we can we can solve our differences by uniting behind how much like we just kind of don't care for James Corden. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. No more of that, man. Yeah. That'll be all. That's yeah. PJ's Sting impression. <laughs> Uh, check, please. <laughs> I'll have what she's having. Nice drumming, Stuart. <laughs> I love Renee. Yes, I, I have too. seen her in so little. I don't really know her deal. And I, like, mm. fully get it now. She yeah. was mm-hmm. so charming and cute. And I understand. And I like w- who she was. Um, and I get why they made a franchise around her. I just, I just thought it was really fun. And I thought she made it fun to watch because Mm -hmm. the world was so, it was a bit of like a, almost like a curb your enthusiasm, like, or, or whatever, whatever kind of comedy it is where everybody except you is like a shitty asshole who makes you feel bad about everything you do. (laughs) And I was just like, it's hard to be in this world, but she like made it worth watching, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, I, so she's at like, uh, a strange point in her career. If I recall correctly, she had sort of like, she was starting to blow up around like Jerry Maguire, which was three years earlier. Mm -hmm. And between this and Chicago a year later, like her, uh, her profile to my understanding, like, uh, blew up significantly because she's also so fucking good in Chicago. Mm. Oh Um, my God. Yes. Yeah. Another movie I have my problems with, but she is absolutely not one of them. I've never seen it. It's, um, it's pretty good. There are certainly some issues with it, but a lot of it is pretty inventive and fun and like a good example of what you can do with a movie musical and have it justify its existence that's a perfect way of putting that yeah i mean it it under i this i mean this is a tangent i just want to come in and like agree with you on on chicago because i think rob marshall has gotten so many uh cracks at the bat to make really really annoying movies since then um Mm. but he he really makes a case for his ability to like use the medium and with that show maybe even better than like the staged version of it can um but i i don't know that's a that's a wild movie and she's she's so so good in that movie and they're completely different characters but i feel like they help me articulate this they in her 
role as a protagonist, she like has this way of pulling you in and completely investing you in this character as being the eyes you go through the story through. They they they're like a capital W conceptual wanting is really powerful mm. in a way that makes you identify with that want, whatever their desires are, you know, maybe you don't align necessarily, but just because there is so much desire, you're like, oh my gosh, I want to see this person get what they, what they so desperately want. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good way to put it. God, I'm so fucking good at this. Dude, you're so <laughs> fucking smart, dude. Um, and we also got, in addition to those boys and Renee, we also got Jim Broadbent and Gemma Jones uh, mm-hmm. as her folks. And it's always good to see the Broadbent. Who is that? The dad. Oh, yeah, I love him. <laughs> he's a good he's a good yeah he's cute he's fun i like him he's a dad believe it sweet takes his wife back good <laughs> <laughs> wait uh we can get back to the bigger uh picture stuff a little bit but um i wanted to talk a little bit about the parent plot line because that like i really like their performances but that plot is one of the things that doesn't really work for me i agree yeah, uh, so part of this movie's B-plot, essentially, is that Bridget Jones's parents are getting a divorce, um, just kind of because her mom finds her life with her dad kind of, like, uninspiring and lackadaisical, and she starts a relationship with a guy who presents jewelry on, like, daytime TV, and then he is, like, foul-tempered and maybe abusive, and she leaves him and she and dad get back together and that's just sort of that resolution and it's like it's weird for me because so much of the movie is so inside bridget jones's head to remove oneself from that perspective to consider like uh what her mom is going through and also like the it kind of is a little heavier than the rest of the shit like i think the implication is that maybe this man is abusive like, yeah. Did y'all get that, or am I am I extrapolating? Uh, I got that he was like hot headed and like maybe emotionally abusive, which it should not be undermined, but Mm-mm. not physically. That's I didn't get that. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. The, the the it just felt like a really heavy spice. Whatever that uh, that that whole plot line felt like. Um, I don't know. Like j- just a little bit too much to go on top of this. Like frothy uh, tete-a-tete based um romantic comedy you know and it also wasn't am i wrong that it wasn't narrated i think you're right and that made it weirder as well i think it would have fit in much more seamlessly had had she like connected the ideas and like the example her parents set about marriage and relationships and like drew comparisons from her own life but it was just like all internal and that's Mm -hmm. so weird because it's a narrated film um, yeah, and so I almost yeah. like checked out for a lot of those portions because it didn't even seem like Bridget cared that much. <laughs> she was just like, good night, dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? It didn't mm-hmm. seem like she was worried about them very much. She just seemed a little grossed out that her mom was fucking. I think like for for Bridget and, and yeah, she does seem like a little maybe frustratingly detached from it and um, whatever like abuse element is going on between her and the otherwise extremely comically annoying um home shopping tv guy um it seems like bridget's response to that is she has some sort of line where 
one of the things that she kind of lists off that's like going wrong in her life that's shitty about her and makes her un unmarriageable is that she has this shitty fucked up family. I think she might call it a broken family, um, which is, um, you know, one of the things that, yeah, she's, she's sort of detached from it and can sort of not relate with her mother, but also her mother is in this extremely unfulfilled, um, sad relationship with broadband and her in a, their inability to find some sort of happiness with each other is it seems like that's one of the things that like makes her feel a little bit more doomed about whether or not she can escape her what she calls her 32nd year of being single now i would be really interested to see what that looks like in the book and how much of that is like expanded upon something or if it is a severely compressed uh, version of something in the novel. Mm -hmm. um, I I can't really say. I guess we should say that this is based on um, a book by Helen Fielding, which was explosively popular in England in the mid '90s. Kicked off a whole wave of uh, what what they would call chick lit, um, and she is the first of three screenwriters on this movie, directed by Sharon Maguire, who was um, I guess her friend around the time that she was writing the original, like, Bridget Jones, basically semi-autobiographical, but, like, exaggerated, like, columns in a newspaper that were then turned into a book. Um, they were, like, around each other during this time. And it, the, the amount of this movie that is, like, narrated and in Bridget's head, which I think is done beautifully here, yeah. um, with, like, just the right amount of stylization while still keeping it grounded and kind of dreary and, and frothy with a hint of bummer that, that I think is pretty well done. For as much as the movie does a great job of adapting narration into wonderfully plugging you into Bridget's head and her world, um, it makes me really wonder if there's other detail and shading to some of these characters that um, I might be missing. I've heard the friends are severely, like, flattened out and compacted from what they are in the book. On the subject of the friends, um, that is interesting that they are severely compacted, and I think this is where I, like give the most leeway for like you know the romantic comedy cliches because you know mm -hmm. you're going to have friends who are extremely underbaked and i really like this collection of underbaked friends me too um it handles like the gay best friend could have been so much worse mm -hmm. for 2001 like he it, really interesting and i can't remember the name of the actor who plays him but i'm i'm a big fan of his he also plays gaius baltar in uh, Battlestar Galactica, shout oh, wow. out. Yeah, and he like I I really like that the the lone gay character. His characterization is not like it, it, his one big thing isn't that he's gay. It is incidental to him being a fucking weirdo. Yeah, like <laughs> when he when Colin Firth and Hugh Jackman are fighting in the street and he shoves open the doors of the restaurant and goes, so "There's a fight." There's a fight, <laughs> like trying to get people to come out and look. Like, I laughed so out good. loud, and I I suspect Dixon that that might be a British culture joke of like, we don't fist fight. That's what I thought in that moment of like, we do not fist fight. This never happens. Like 
everybody needs to see this. And mm-hmm. I was like, I feel like I'm in on this inside joke because he did that so well. Like, he just made it such such a moment. I agree. I agree so with the underbaked friends. I like I like them. I don't need more from them. If I got more of them, I would have been annoyed. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. because because rom-com best friends are inherently annoying, overly supportive, or overly irresponsible. You know? Like, there's, like, the irresponsible yeah, yeah. one who's just, like, cumbersome and annoying. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought that they were, like, really fun and supportive, and I loved their love of uh, Mark. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, James Callis, by the way, is the actor's name, uh, wasn't coming to me. Uh, but yeah, shout out him. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, uh, they're backing up of Mark and, and hatred of, um, Hugh Grant, I think is really, that's very good. Yes. And then I was like, okay. Cause it took me so long to realize what was going on. (laughs) I don't know why, (laughs) because I was like why is she with Hugh Grant? Like, he's the worst. But because everybody in the movie seemed shitty, I just thought this was a very, like, dark, like, drab depiction of humanity. But then I realized he was the antagonist. And I was like, okay, cool. Love it. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love a sullen protagonist male hero who, like, through a stiff jaw, makes us Mm. fall in love with him. Mm -hmm. So on that... uh note of like you know a dark depiction of humanity there's something i want to talk about a bit that also struck me as odd um and i don't know i don't know if bridget jones is like the progenitor of this in in modern rom-coms but like it if it's not it fits very neatly in like an issue with them is that like all of their female protagonists are constantly humiliated Mm -hmm. like there's no there's no real like organic organic development of feelings like it is always like in in these movies there is always some scene of just them getting into just some absolutely fucking mortifying situation Mm -hmm. and then their um you know uh person they're meant to fall in love with comes up and is like yeah i saw you uh i saw you uh, break both of your ankles (laughs) i i saw you uh uh, holding a pornography magazine fall onto the third rail of the metro (laughs) And, sh- and shout, it's only electrocuting my clit. And everyone was watching. <laughs> I thought that was pretty oh. funny. That, that's how we fell in love. That's how we met. <laughs> it, it's just like, I. It, it makes me so uncomfortable. Like that facet of rom-coms. And in this movie in particular, because like often there is a, like a sexual charge to her public humili- humiliation always and mm. it like and it's just kind of like wacky and i don't I, I don't know it just makes me feel a little icky. it was a very seedy environment like the entire world felt very seedy you know like mm-hmm. i totally agree like all the questions well i guess like it was it truly was a different time in that unmarried women in their 30s was like a movie plot <laughs> Is so when everybody was like interrogating her and embarrassing her, I that's an interesting point you make, Dixon. That like that does happen to female protagonists. It does seem like a very female early two thousands like rom com trope. I uh, I will say also in this movie's defense, um, uh, it does seem that her public humiliations do seem tied to a distinctly uh, female perspective, in that they are often like you know very sexist humiliations like stuff that would that like you know 
all the guys are laughing at. So it's, it, it seems to be like extrapolated from an honest place of like women are treated very poorly, yeah. but mm. it still is just like difficult to watch. That's true. It's not nearly as bad as shit like um, the hawk stealing Sandra Bullock's Blackberry in the proposal or like um, the vibrating <laughs> panties scene in The Ugly Truth, possibly my least favorite movie. I couldn't even finish it. Oh, God, it's so it's awful. So it's terrible. so mean-spirited. Yeah. I love awful. that you've seen it, though. You know what else? It's it's funny you, like, you bring some of that stuff up, but summer of 2001, there's another movie... Which, depending on how many sequels it has, let's 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 dog ear this for a second. But the same summer, Legally Blonde comes out and has a scene where uh, the protagonist mistakenly shows up to a party dressed as a Playboy bunny and is the only person there who does that. Um, right. It, it it seems like it. Uh, I don't know. It means something slightly different in Legally Blonde because it's very explicitly like a cruel internalized sexist trick that someone pulls on her uh, to like demonstrate that she that she can't be one of them because she's a dumb blonde um, but then she solves the fucking case because she's fucking Elle Woods um, yeah I, um, I think you know this movie is so intense with like the embarrassment that it leaps on or that it heaps on on Bridget um, and it is so the weight of all of the shit that she is ashamed about is is very heavy. Um, you do also feel, though, I, or at least this is what I got from it, um, that she is internalizing a lot of stuff from like a very shitty environment around mm. her. You know, like um, I love I love the detail of the book at the publishing house, um, Kafka's Motorbike. The yeah. greatest book of our time. Um, there are some really funny fake book titles um, in this movie. Um, but, y- y- you know, while it's while it's heartbreaking to watch her be ashamed of all this stuff, in a, at, and also feeling the weight of, like, self-help books and, like, like workout culture around her a little bit, um, it is so unbelievably relatable Mm -hmm. and the the same things that make it hard to watch are also the exact same things that give me buy-in because Mm. she's she's so hurting you know there's um when she overflows the the shot of vodka while she's listening to shaka khan or um that wonderful opening credit sequence of this movie. With All By Myself. Iconic, right? That's so fucking good. I, I was like, oh, this is going to be very good. Yeah. 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 Like, she just fucking was in it. And I was like, this performance doesn't belong in this movie. <laughs> but then it very yeah. much does. Yeah, no, totally. But then it very much does. It was just so honest. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> there's, there's such a wonderful arc over that scene. Um, of her of her going from just being alone and not having it and smoking alone in her apartment to starting to get into the music and it starts with a little bit of air guitar and then it goes into the drums and then she's fully singing alone in her apartment and it makes it, it's this wonderful private moment um, that makes you officially feel like you are 
in her head with her and in her private moments with her. And you're going to see all the shame, but you're also going to see her, her rich self-expression and inner world. And the moment when all of the credits have passed without the title coming up, and then Bridget <laughs> Jones's diary fades up on the still shot with her in the couch as the song climaxes, I uh, got goosebumps. It's so fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. I... Listen, I've long since quit smoking. This movie made me want inside cigarettes so bad. Oh, God. <laughs> I guess, like, the, the whole banning smoking in indoor places took a little bit longer to happen in England because everybody's smoking inside in Bridget Jones's diary. Yeah. Bridget Jones's fucking tobacco hotbox. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, uh, it is so distracting to me. This is one of those, like, I, like, generation gap things that I have with... This movie and tons and tons and tons of other movies is looking at a room, but especially in a movie like, like, of course, in, in the 1940s, like a bunch of people in like a police station or something like that, or a bar are going to just be like chugging cigarette smoke. And, and I can like, I can kind of place myself there because it's like a long time ago, but especially if it's something that looks recent where I'm like, oh, it smells like a nightmare in there. That yes. publishing company smells like shit. <laughs> Dude, Hugh Grant's uh, office must smell like fucking dog farts. <laughs> does any does anyone think Lara really is young? What? Hmm? You know Lara, the one that Hugh Grant leaves her for? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He was like, you know, she's young. I was like, she looks fucking like she's 35 and, like, Bridget's 32. I don't understand. She, she looks like, she looked roughly the same age. I wasn't quite sure. Like I know. I, I, that was just such a weird moment. And maybe it's just, like, her, the, her style to me doesn't register as young. But I just thought that was, like, such a funny excuse that he pulled out when they looked the exact same age. Oh, my God. He, his character in general, I think, is, like, so expertly done in that he is like i mean just beyond being hugh grant handsome like he is like really really charming and funny yes. and like yes. we, we as a, as an audience have that distance of being like he's a fucking scumbag but it, they do a really good job of making clear why bridget even after he's pulled a bunch of shit and she stood up for herself would still be conflicted when he comes back to her apartment and is just like laying down the smoothest game oh yeah totally he really and like you're screaming while you're watching it because he there's nothing he's just like a, the trojan horse you know <laughs> but he's just like he's just so likable and as a, like a third person uh, uh bird's eye view you're like that's evil and i was pretty put off Okay, so first, like, she's just in her office, and she's, like, invisible. Something I wish had happened was, like, I wish, like, we saw her buy that skirt that makes him send that first email. Mm. Like, I just felt like it kind of came out of nowhere, because mm. the only interaction they have before then, he treats her really poorly and, like, makes like makes her feel dumb. And that would be fine, except then out of nowhere, he just decides to start sexually harassing her yes. and she is open to it but <laughs> there's no other way around it he sexually harasses her and then mm -hmm. grabs her ass it i was like horrified honestly grim. i was like oh man what very a different grim. time mm -hmm. 
what a different time for that to be like coy and ooh, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. But I, but do you guys know what I mean? It just did, don't you kind of feel like their correspondence sort of came out of nowhere? No, yeah, I, I fully agree. A missed beat. The, I believe that is the first of her many Herculean uh, yes. social trials. Is um, <laughs> Hugh Grant catches her lying about a dead professor being on the phone, um, yes. and and then the next day is like, "Where's your skirt? Your skirt, <laughs> your skirt is so small. Your skirt is microscopic." <laughs> uh, uh, Bridget, it's just your your skirt is just. Well, it's just my, it's got me. <laughs> Bridget, your skirt only covers your vulva, just as I like it. <laughs> it's good. It's, it's not so team. It's good. 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 It's Oh yeah. my god! Doesn't matter, but you're like, I will fuck that stutter. Absolutely, <laughs> I, I will. I will go to town on that thing's he face is and rim. Gorgeous, mm. and and he's very real looking. Like he's a hot that doesn't look like, you know, overly attractive. Like he's like quirkily attractive. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got like some kind of a weird floppy haired glimmer in his eye that just mm-hmm. oh god, what a year for what a decade for floppy hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1991 Absolutely. to 2000 middle parts for like uh, grown men who look like a bully in a children's movie in like <clears throat> 1993 like hey samson get over here and give me your bike but it's like a grown man who's either like fighting mummies in london or like harassing a woman in london in 2001 bridget what give me your bike <laughs> just give me the book, Bridget. Please. Just, just, just give me the book of the dead. <laughs> just have yeah. um, There, there's so much slimy fucking shit in this movie that he somehow makes appealing. I mean, to my understanding, like Hugh Grant's um, kind of persona in movies before this had been kind of a little closer to like the male Bridget. You know, where, like, he's the person who's, like, vulnerable and sad and a sad sack and chain-smoking, but lets you in and, and shows you this this sweeter person underneath, um, who, who himself is, like, bumbling and nervous. Um, and this, to what I understand, is a, a little closer to kind of what he's like in, in real life. Mm. You know, he really does uh, sell me that he is interested in her. And, and for all of the put-downs, I do think that he thinks she's intelligent. He's, he's, he's very good with an inappropriate send-to-HR email. I hate it. Mm. Oh, yeah. You're right. It is winning. Like, it's winning in this, like, way. But as I'm watching it, I was actually pretty grossed out. Like, when they were having dinner oh, yeah. that one time, mm. and he was like, I bet you did, you nasty little girl. I was just like, ew. It's so... What is this? It's so icky. The scene that I think sold me on their dynamic and why this situation would be one that, like, boat. on the surface is, like, worth diving into is the boat. The fucking boat. Boat. When boat. They're just, oh, yeah. like, I was like, I get it. I get it now. They're just fucking slamming beers and just, like, pushing each other around in a fucking boat and just dicking around in a lake oh, while, yeah. like, fuddy-duddy Colin Firth just rose, you know? Yes. I, and then I was like, she... 
actually holds herself quite well around him. I mean, she she denied him a first date, which made me be like, hell yeah. Like, she, like, like he is into her because she's actually quite strong, mm. you know? And then, like, their silliness that they both have. Also, I was sold during the boat scene. I was like, they are having so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess I don't have another point besides I agree, but the rest of it was just so gross. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think that scene also speaks to that character's fundamental um, immaturity. Uh, like, yes, it just yeah. He's like, she hasn't done that yet. Yeah, she hasn't had that CD shit sack like fuck her over before. Because mm-hmm. she's been sing- single, right? Like she's been single like forever. So, so this is her first asshole. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, one of the things that that is also gross is. Gross, but but kind of engrossing is when he does try to get her back, um, and and he he says that you know I I dumped the girl with the two thousand one gonna be Karen in twenty years right now it's just an X Men <laughs> lady protagonist haircut. Um, it was terrible. Dumped her for you. Um, you know you're so intelligent. Um, if I can't make it with you, then I don't think I can make it with anyone. Um, and also this, this sense that he does seem to feel bad that he is this way. Um, it, it works on me and that's, that's a credit to, um, solid writing and a, a very, very good performance. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's also, it's, it's, it's so icky. Um, this, this, like, self-loathing, I know I treat you like shit, but I feel bad about it. Exactly. Um, Make her responsible for dealing with that. Yeah. (laughs) And it's not even like I'm, I'm all that happy with the amount of shit that, uh, Mark Darcy talks to and about her. Um, it's, it's of course very heartwarming later when he tells you, you know, you know, I love you as you are. Um, that's something that, you know, melts my heart when it happens or that wonderful final line, nice boys don't kiss like that. Yes, we fucking do. I thought that was real bad. Honestly. I don't remember that. I don't know why I forgot that. The It's the last line of the movie and it's, I, it's I, garbage, but I love it. I, I hate to, to disagree with you there, Peach, I, but I just like, I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, we fucking do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something not hot about that, isn't there? Because <laughs> like, I, I think the whole the whole reason he's hot is because of, like, how stuffy and distant he is. So when he tries to, like, introduce even a smidge of dirty talk, it alarmed me. That's <laughs> so true. I, I got, like... Fair enough. <laughs> you know when, like, um, I forget what it is. Maybe when a Pokemon's, like, speed get lowered, but there's, like, a couple of lines that appear over their head, and the sound check goes, like, Da-da-da. I was like, what happened to me? Oh, yes, I fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, just be like, oh. It would disgust me if a person in the world now said that to me or, like, said that on Twitter or, or was, like like, a Tumblr dom. You know what I mean? <laughs> a reply um, to Amy Therese on yes. Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Don't don't invoke that person on this show. Yeah, I bet she can name search audio somehow. We should. 
I just don't like inviting the energy into the room. No, no, I w- that wasn't me doing a joke. That was me genuinely thinking if anybody had the ability to name search audio. <laughs> if someone's that online, it's Amy Therese. I, <laughs> I, anyway, um, the thing I was going to say about, like, the, the shitty guys in this movie and how they're able to be a- appealing, um, you know what it was making me think of was, uh, what is it, Christian Dornan? No, Jamie Dornan in Fifty Shades of Grey, um, which I have seen the first two of. <laughs> and um, he's in that movie because, who was it? Um, Charlie Hunnam was, uh, was cast in the role and then dropped out right before filming and they had to find someone else. And so you just get mushy-faced dork Jamie Dornan um, as this uh, controlling dom guy going, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you were mine, you wouldn't sit down for a week. And then he, he leans in and takes a bite of your toast. Uh, just He's just abusive. I hate it. He's just abusive. Yeah. At, at least have the decency to be, you know abusive and british yes exactly (laughs) um no i mean i i regret that i haven't seen pride and seen or read pride and prejudice um the mini series of this of that is what launched colin firth in the role of mr darcy um which is why he was always the author's like favorite pick um for this role because the the book even more so than the movie as i'm to understand is very, very closely based on Pride and Prejudice. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm to understand that he is, beyond just a very good actor in the, in the original, he is unbelievably hot and is shirtless in a pool, which I would watch because I get the Colin Firth thing now. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen Pride and Prejudice. What are you kidding? It doesn't have any spy kids in it. <laughs> Above my reading level. They don't even go back to the future in debt. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a Pride and Prejudice fan. I, I've seen the play because, you know, I've seen the play. But I, I just don't like the story very much. Um, mm. I just am not that into. I don't know. I don't know that genre in general. Yeah. But um yeah, so whatever worked for me in this movie will they won't they definitely works for me, but I like a messy protagonist. Mm-hmm. You know, um which I guess Elizabeth Bennet is supposed to be messy, but like in the in that era it's hard for me to discern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, I mean she's like, "Oh man, she's like getting pouty at her flute lesson." Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like it's just like it's really hard for me to relate to. Like I don't get it. Dude, she she wrote she wrote a letter where she called a guy a twerp. Like <laughs> <laughs> It's like I think we're gonna hang her. <laughs> like, like this bitch is a witch. Um, yeah, I. I well, they would have burned I, her. Could you uh, pa- pass me the torch, Bridget? We're gonna burn this witch. Burn the witch. Um, mm. uh, what we need to do is we need uh, that kind of got Barack Obama there. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, well, what we need to do, Bridget? Um, God, I lost it. I had it. It's gone. <laughs> it's just, now just go. Now just go full Barack. Full Barack. Oh, uh, Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was going to say that what makes Hugh Grant a total sociopath is that he mm. literally just says that the op- he literally s- makes Colin Firth the villain of his own actions and like mm-hmm. switches their story. That's like pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so curious how he is at all in the second film because that is like such a nail in the coffin as like an actual psychopath yeah. to mm-hmm. do. Um, so that's weird. Um, but yeah, I knew that like so long ago. I knew it like as he said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's, with, with the way, I mean, it's expertly acted, but it's pretty telegraphed with the way that they act around one another. Yes, um, totally. Uh, I, uh, so one thing, another aspect of this movie that, uh, gave me pause at least was like the amount of flips there are in the back half like the amount of shots where one of them is walking into the background and then you know surprises her and then she's like smitten with that guy it feels like it ping pongs just like a little bit too much and by the end when there's the misunderstanding with Colin Firth going out to get her a new diary I was Mm. like I I, I was tired I was like just kiff but like they, she needed to have that like one last tribunal of like having to run after him naked, and I just like I, I I don't know I was a little exhausted of it by the end. I didn't. That makes sense. I didn't clock that that repet, repetitive action as so much. Um, but when that happened, when he walked away, and there's like five minutes left in the movie and he was pissed i was like is this why there's a sequel because he found (laughs) her diary and he got mad that she used to hate him which is like obviously i I literally like like i was just like licking the crumbs of the creators (laughs) like (laughs) like just just totally got me um i was like this is fucking bullshit fuck mark and then he when he pulled out the diary I just couldn't stop screaming. I loved it. I literally <laughs> was such an idiot. <laughs> it worked on me too. Yeah. I think that the actual presentation of the diary and stuff is like, it is a sweet note to end on. I wasn't bothered by, you know, a goofy last line, last line aside, um, in, in my opinion. I wasn't bothered by like that. I just, yeah. it, it just felt like... Um, it was a beat too long. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I was like, mm. why aren't they already fucking? Like, I was annoyed. <laughs> and I, and then he left. But then it it was like, oh, it deepened. So it worked in the end. But yeah, I'm yeah. with you. I do like that she ran naked. I like that Me weird too. little cute little childhood theme that she was naked. Like, I think that could be definitely creepy. But I don't think it is. I never put that together. Me neither. That that actually makes it a little bit more um, palatable for me, like as just a callback to uh, yeah. how they, you know, met when they were children. I think it's cute. Yeah, that that is actually that that makes that a little bit less like, come on for me. And it adds to like the consistency of who she is. Like she just like does her thing. She goes for what she wants like she's wild and he's like uptight i i like it i think it was a very like on the nose but like winning image mm. yeah nice guys too. don't buy diaries like that <laughs> <laughs> well did he go to the diary store like yes. where did he go <laughs> she's going to love this <laughs> <laughs> he goes in and he's like do you have any diaries <laughs> <laughs> quickly she's she's behind me i've been pretending not to hear her <laughs> 
He had to sprint. <laughs> I, good thing the diary store is right there, too. It's close, yeah. Very close by. When you gotta pick that up in the middle of the night, it's always open. Yeah, I mean, and there's no, there's no GPS back then. He clocked that diary store. <laughs> he was like, oh, shit. She lives right next to the diary store? Oh, damn, I'm so lucky. You just reminded That's me of so something. That's so convenient. What's up? That's so convenient. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that'll come in handy. <laughs> Ooh, I've I've got a I've got an idea, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not and it's a little naughty. <laughs> well, he had uh, he had defended the owner of that store in court um, uh... as a civil rights lawyer. They were trying to put it out of business because they were saying you can't sell just diaries. <laughs> I just thought of something really stupid, which was that when. Hugh Grant and Renee Zellweger, like, fall off the boat into the water, and they get all wet, and his cigarette's bent, and he's got his sunglasses on, and his shirt's wet, and it's fucking clinging to him, and he's playing it off because it's all cool. I, for just a moment, wanted to be transported back to a moment in time where you and another person on a date could push each other into water and not have that make you instantly go into a very financially tinged feeling of <laughs> horror. <laughs> Fuck. If someone flirted with me by a pool and, like, pushed me in, there's a there's a sense that I could, like, giggle and titter and, like, splash at them and, like, spit a big mouthful of water on them. And they're like, ew, you're spitting on me. And I'm like, I know. There's a chance that I could ha- I could be upbeat about it. If I weren't already thinking before I hit the water, oh no, phone or rent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. I, oh, Jesus Christ. I, I, I had never thought of that as like the, a, a bygone era. That just bummed me out. <laughs> Dude, with cancel culture, we can't even do the Friends <laughs> intro. Shut the fuck up. It's not PC anymore. <laughs> I. Oh. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, I don't know, maybe it's just our personality, because that can't be an era. <laughs> um, but you're right. Yeah, you'd be like, dang, my little computer got different, and now I've got to get in rice. I, I was that. born in the wrong generation. <laughs> <laughs> I should just, have been just born. Just, like, t- drawing people falling into lakes on my binder. <laughs> <laughs> what if I'd been born in the 60s? What if I were a boomer? It could have been better. <laughs> Imagine. Imagine Boomer Dixon. <laughs> One must imagine Sisyphus as a boomer. Um, sorry, <laughs> Jesus. Um, I um, I have only a couple other things that, to me, are are kind of worth touching on here. The very silly like self help books that Bridget has been cycling through. Um are very fucking funny. I wrote down the titles of the books she throws away, which are What Men Think, How Men Think, How to Make Men Want What They Don't Think They Want, (laughs) and the books that she purchases to get over Daniel Cleaver that she stacks onto her bookshelf are How to Get What You Want and Want What You Have, Life Without Men, and women who love men are big letters mad. Uh, and that's just... That's really funny. I didn't really notice funny. that. That's my kind of gag is like a good like in-world like 
silly title of a book. Like Edgar Wright mm-hmm. is wonderful at those. Um, I think uh, like one of the books in Knives Chow's apartment in Scott Pilgrim is like uh, how to study even harder. And then one of them is just called <laughs> Tricky Math. <laughs> It makes me so happy. No, not like that easy math. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was trying to multiply nine times six about an hour ago. Fifty-four went straight to my head, (laughs) (laughs) and I was like, I don't remember. So I multiplied nine times three, and then I added nine a couple times. One by one? I do that shit all the time, Becky. I was like, oh no, I gotta quit life. That's so bad. (laughs) It's so fucking bad. What of the elementary school multiplication table I am no longer able to accomplish mentally. Like, there's a few gems that'll never leave my mind, but the rest of them are totally gone. Yeah, two two squared or three cubed, those are in there forever, baby. In the vault. (laughs) In the Disney vault. Actually in the vault. They get released every five years or so. This is why you're so menaced by new math. I, I was ho- I was horrified. Yeah, why wouldn't it? Didn't master old math. How could, mm-hmm. how could I possibly move on? Anyway. What could be next for me math-wise? <laughs> <laughs> math rock. Just get up there on that neck board and start tapping. Just, just tell a girl at a party what a time signature is like she doesn't know. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit you should you should see the sound waves for that one those that, that really got me <laughs> i um i wonder if in the in any of the sequels if if bridget is listening to at a bessie shank if that's how they show in 2017 that the times have changed if if you're living in in britain you're just hearing so much like yeah, I'm really excited to hear your take on um, the uh, score for Bridget Jones's Baby, which I believe was by Giraffes Giraffes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe it's... I can't believe it's a franchise. That's what oh, I can't yeah. believe. That's a bummer here for me, I mm-hmm. think, is yeah. that it's a franchise. Like, this is a beautifully wrapped up, don't need to know more, just all it is is the tip of the iceberg because honestly there's nothing underneath sure. <laughs> the yeah. water like i don't know i i agree like this is really this story to me seems very self-contained mm-hmm. i i am very nervous about two in particular because i'm not sure hugh grant is kicking around three but i know he is not. two. And I am worried about that. Oh, uh, two to my... And none of us have seen any of these movies, but Mm -mm. two is, like, famously really bleak, not good, different director. The third Uh one, Sharon Maguire comes back. Uh, Emma Thompson, Queen of Jane Austen adaptations, does a pass on the script for three. And I've heard it's sort of a return to form you know i was i was thinking about the the franchiseness of of it all and i was thinking like this is so wonderfully self-contained and tied up in a bow 
um, that it, it does feel like kind of a bummer, kind of exasperating that like there's more of it. You know what I mean? But um, the other thing that I was thinking is like, there's a part of me that wants to see her escape 2001. Like there's a part of me that likes is is more invested in Bridget herself than I am in like this specific relationship that there's a part of me that wants to see her like grow and like find herself in some sort of culture where like your boss grabbing your ass isn't normal and I'm so mm. curious about what this movie and its world updated in 2017 looks like. Like, that's very enticing and, and curious to me. I don't know if they will feel as though they have to, like, how much they'll feel like they have to apologize for in, like, Bridget's self of shame and insecurities, but also I, I kind of want to see her, like, get away from that. I was very curious about, like, how people feel about this movie and Bridget Jones as a character as a forebearer for other female protagonists in like comedies and romantic comedies and stuff like that because I know like Sex in the City um, owes some sort of like ancestry to like the Bridget Jones character but I was also thinking a lot about like Fleabag and I was thinking a lot about um, actually, of all things, Broad City, you know, this show that is um, so warmly celebratory of, of what fucking fuck ups these characters are. You know, the end of that pilot is they're, they're chugging hooch in the back of an alley sitting on their asses on the concrete talking about, you know, what kind of dogs they think they'd be. This feels like in some ways it lays track for... A, a character that you can relate to because they are such a fuck up. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also like Bridget Jones isn't that much of a fuck up is the other thing. Like I'm thinking about like how have the times changed in like. Right, right, right. What, what, what is this kind of representation do differently now and what kind of lessons have been learned versus how brutal this thing is to its character and the things that maybe it thinks she has to apologize for. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like uh, um, the three things that are sort of the lead motif of her diary are her weight, the amount of cigarettes she smoked and the amount of alcohol she's had to date. And like that seems pretty like tame stuff to me. I, yeah. I don't know. Like I, I, I obviously am not the person to speak to, um, you know, how women viewed themselves in 2001. Um, so I'm going to foist all of that onto uh, Becky, who I'm sure was pretty aware <laughs> of how adult women were writing in their diaries in 2001. <laughs> Only in London. It's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> speak for the gender, Becky. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I did that as a bit, but then realized, like, it doesn't matter. I still did that. <laughs> like, wouldn't no. it be funny if I put you on the spot? <laughs> and that I was kind of doing it by accident, not even owning it in a good joke. No, it's okay, <laughs> because I wanted to talk about it. And yeah. um, I, well, I think it's interesting that it brought you to thinking about 
Broad City. That's so fascinating because, well, I don't know historically, like, because I know the kind of character you're talking about. Yeah. Like the the female, like, klutz kind of thing. I don't know when that started, so I'm also curious as to what kind of, like, uh, lineage was passed down through Bridget <laughs> Jones. Mm-hmm. But I would be really bummed if that if this was that. Because she, firstly, like, yeah, she word vomits a little. The whole thing is she's like, you are a terrible public speaker. And I'm like, I guess, sort of. There was, one, there was one bad moment where she was like, don't say tits. What was it? You know what I'm talking Tits about? Tits pervert. Yeah, that was so mm-hmm. that was stupid. I did not like that moment. I was like, just don't say it. You'll be fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I too don't feel like British, British Jones. <laughs> British Jones. British Jones's diary. You just call her that for the rest of the episode. <laughs> She's nothing more than a Brit to me, oh. <laughs> to my Yank eyes. Um, Which feels good, British. <laughs> Um, I don't think she's that much of a fuck up. I think she's yeah. w- uh, like arrestingly charming in her like quirk that she does have, but I don't find her like a fuck up like the movie tries to make her yeah. because she's supposed to be fat, which is Nuh-uh. not a fuck up. Yeah. In reality, being fat is a thousand percent morally neutral and doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is 2001 and that standard is still very heavily perpetuated right now even. But mm-hmm. this bitch is thin. She is fucking Literally. thin. She mm-hmm. is skinny. I was shocked that the point of this movie, because I heard, you know, that she was supposed to be overweight. And then I watched the movie and I was like, when is that quote unquote supposed to happen? Like I was literally yeah. waiting for it. And then I was like, oh my God, this is the movie. It was horrifying. The worst part of the film makes the film bad if you think about it, which yes. you should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, And I was just really bummed out. And like, I, I mean, when I was a kid growing up, I had Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera and they were like washboard abs and like jeans that literally came right above their vulva, like so fucking <laughs> low. And um, it was like a very scarring time for anyone whose body didn't look like that. And um, obviously I was like no years old. So like I was mm-hmm, just like mm-hmm. prepubescently like already like, well, it's not happening for me. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thin and I was thin then. And like I felt bad about myself as a thin person. So I understand this sentiment, but it's so gross because what that is is body dysmorphia. So it's so yeah. gross when it's perpetuated by a whole industry that's like, yes, this 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 disgusting trait that you think you have, which isn't actually disgusting, you have it and you are disgusting. And if you lost weight, you'd be better off. And like that's so annoying and mm-hmm. not original. I mean, that's in like every movie. So and, and it also sucks that because of the 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 narration hook that specific numbers are attached yes. to it like i i cannot imagine um hearing the 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 number of oh hearing the weight of this person who is clearly like disgusted with herself and she says this number and you weigh more than that like i i can't imagine the how fuck like, fucking shitty that feels yeah and she's thin she's <laughs> so thin 136 oh is so thin I'm just like, what, this is not a plot line. So I, I like, to enjoy the movie, 
I just kind of put my hand over it the whole time <laughs> as a theme and just like marveled at how like winning she was and like the relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was just like the the real eyesore and the real bummer of it because it's just like not it wasn't true it's body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. that they're saying is correct yeah and isn't it like so impressive that someone can love you in spite of that exactly that guy's gotta be really in love with you yeah how how did she pull off two hot guys (laughs) what are you talking about it's renee zellweger yeah come on (laughs) yeah and i i just want to make sure it's like completely totally clear i i don't think whatever body the filmmakers not even the filmmakers whatever body we're supposed to think bridget has is not a fuck up i don't think of that as being like oh my god that did not mm. sound like what you were saying at all you you very clearly was like the you know like the klutz vibe of a personality there's that but i don't even think like i don't think this is necessarily like the inventor of that archetype or that like Mm. You know, Fleabag or the girls from Broad City are in that archetype. And I certainly don't think that Bridget Jones, like, invented flawed, <laughs> funny female characters. Like, oh, mm-hmm. they they made their characters three-dimensional? They must have seen Bridget Jones's diary in 2001. <laughs> I more just yeah. mean, like, the things that made Bridget Jones a phenomenon um, at the time and made her really pop was that... You you had especially in a book where it's different and like the the view the reader can imagine Bridget to be whatever they think that weight looks like and also like you get a little bit more license with like we're in Bridget's head all of this is subjective That's this is so someone true. who is being extremely brutal Hard to on themselves themself. yeah in in their thoughts which is very different from like a visual medium where you yes. are looking at someone and That's where so you true. you find an actor and you know supposedly this is what Renee Zellweger looks like after adding 20 pounds for a role and there's something also screechingly 2001 about this time where like someone who was in an industry where it was their their job forced on them to be a certain body type temporarily looks like a normal person for a role and then that's brave and like an yep. extra thing that you get a claim for i mean yep. i i don't think that's what makes renee zellweger deserving of the academy award nomination she rightfully got for this movie i think it's a lot of other stuff i think it's how wait unbelie- she got an academy award nom for this yes yeah i did not know that that's it that's so wild I love her performance, and I enjoyed it so much, but Mm -hmm. that's still very shocking. (laughs) I mean, it's just like, just from like an Academy standpoint, that doesn't seem like the kind of thing that they would usually go for. Do rom-coms usually ever get nominated? No. Like, never. Like, absolutely never. That's historic. I don't know. I guess that's kind of... My favorite, just like when I'm in like a sort of, after I break up with my last boo, I just pop in Crash and I just get a big tub of ice cream. Every Christmas, it's Love Actually and then Crash. Painting my toenails to Crash while I, hang on, 
eat a slice of pizza. I know. You're, you're I know. crazy. You are crazy. I shouldn't be fucking flipping about that. No, this, I mean. We're what, making what? fun of that, though. We're right, making right. fun of that trope of, like, you are special because you feed yourself. Yeah, yeah. right. I mean, what what I think made <laughs> British people, and, and, like, I guess anyone who was reading, you know, the Bridget Jones book, because I guess it popped over here, too, is that there's something so relatable about that thought process and that is what makes viewers like latch on to to bridget and root for her and that's why people cared enough about this character that when renee zellweger who was not british was cast it was apparently a legitimate controversy in in england now the things that become controversies in in england are um not for me as a non-cis person to think too hard about but um I <laughs> I think you know you you have this like lovable comedy hero who you latch onto the the reason I specifically draw a comparison with Broad City is because I do think there's something interesting here in how those two depictions of like your relationship with vices look. I think there are all of these like things that make Bridget human that she feels like she constantly has to apologize to us for and to herself for and to the people around her for, because that's what she's constantly getting from other people. Whereas now I can think of a bunch of really fun, awesome, comedic protagonists who seem like in, in a way that's exciting and refreshing, like, no, fuck you. I'm a gigantic stoner. Like Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to, potentially get fired from my job because i like ate a like wheelbarrow full of edibles on my way here and i'm going to forgive myself for it like i i just think there's like a brutality here that i Mm -hmm. fortunate i think we've we've been able to keep having these characters that are um i don't know like still figuring their shit out you know what i mean um Mm -hmm. that are not as cruel to themselves as Bridget Jones. I think maybe that's what I'm trying to arrive at. You know what's interesting, though, is she's cruel to herself in this, like, very specific, like, barometer of success that she's measured out for herself. Mm. But she's very confident and, like, does, like, you know, kind of out of nowhere for me, she's, she's like, this invisible person at work. This is sort of, like, it took me a while to kind of figure out who she was because I don't think they did a great job setting that up. Because, like, in the beginning, she's, like, invisible to her boss, and then he starts flirting with her, and she instantly is, like, maybe I'll get dinner with you. Like, she instantly finds this, like, really, like, deep self-worth that Mm -hmm. was there the whole time. And I guess, I don't know, it's interesting, it's, like, yes, she punishes herself very much in this horrible numeric way. Yeah. But she really loves herself in a lot of ways, too. Which is, I think, what is, like, lovely about her, is that she, like wants more deserves more and demands for more i think um and you know and she has a support system you know Mm -hmm. like she she has friends like she has people around her who like i don't i don't know sometimes her friends suck but they do see her worth and the things that make her bridget jones are like not weird to them yeah Um, and you know when when she's like herself around them and like funny with them 
that's that's one of those like come up from for air moments i think that might Mm -hmm. kind of be what you're talking about these kind of gaps in brutality that she has because she she is incredibly like she does have extremely strong will and she does have a very clear sense of like um what what she will not tolerate yeah 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 i i suppose that um for me I I think I stray a little bit from your opinion of her relatability, PJ, because I think that I'm not I assume stuff is like a little bit more fleshed out in the book. But I feel like the movie just kind of ships her from like the most shameful fucking moment possible to like an incredible triumph. Good for her. Isn't she? isn't she amazing everybody and then right back down to like rock bottom yeah and i get that those are like deliberate um amplifications of these kinds of moments you know that they're like biggening it up for for the genre and for the screen and for and for the funnies um but i i think i i lose a little bit of like i'm a lot like her when she she goes from like um, wearing a Playboy bunny costume to a party and being humiliated there to, like, um, telling off her boss and having everybody go, oh, shit, and have the music kick in, you know? Yeah. I, I'm not sure exactly how this was related to what was being said, maybe, but it was something I was just kind of, like, percolating over yeah. over the course of this sh- episode. All of it is very grandiose and silly. Like, it's like I didn't mm. even relate to her. I just sort of marveled at how, like, silly and fun the story is um, because she didn't feel real, and maybe that's why I liked it because it felt, like, a little bit fantastical. It it felt kind of, like, allegorical in a way. Like, it, it, it felt, like, it, enough removed from reality uh, that it seemed to be wanting to impart a lesson. If yeah. that makes sense, and I think, and I think it does that successfully sometimes, uh, and I think its messaging is a little mu- mu- yeah, muddled. Yeah, because he fell times. in love with her even though she was a hundred and thirty-eight pounds. <laughs> it's just like fuck off. <laughs> okay, and I guess I'm glad that like he did love her. At, at the point wasn't like in Greece where she changes everything about herself and then nails the guy. <laughs> it was like he did love her as she is, and I I really do like that theme, and I was very touched by that whole sentiment. I loved that. Mm-hmm. It's just like, well, it's not that remarkable to to love a thin blonde woman in 2001. <laughs> like, right, right. Like that's that seems very like on on the nose, but you know. I but what if she was a bad public speaker? <laughs> I, I thought your speech was very inspiring. <laughs> My dick's hard. What? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think I I really don't get the allegory. There's a message here thing from this movie at all. I think if if the humiliation to triumph that might feel a little bit unearned, which Suddenly getting the job at the TV station is definitely that for me. Her having a line that she can't cross with a guy that she trusted that was, I guess, going to be her first relationship at 32. Her standing up to him, that feels like a like a character moment a little bit for me. And mm-hmm. while 
I, I don't know that, like, she has, like, a linear arc, because it's a lot of, like, one step forward, two steps back once Cleaver even temporarily comes back into the picture. Um, but then she doesn't get together with Mark Darcy, and then he leaves Miss Honey from Matilda, and then uh, comes back <laughs> to her door, and then he has to go to the diary store. Like, wh- while it's a little <laughs> bit, like, two steps forward, one steps back there, um, I think... You know, there's, I don't know, there's there's just enough of a journey there that I can see the places that that's comfort food. And I, I remember what I was going to say, because um, that kind of got away from me. But I think if it pings back and forth between the sudden triumphs and, like, like rituals of embarrassment... I think that's a setup and payoff for what ultimately I think a rom-com can do, which is to be wish fulfillment. Um, And I think there are things that get in the way of that here, Um, particularly like, I I, I don't know, all of the stuff that I think Becky talked about in this movie um, that I think was put quite beautifully. and, And Jesus, thank you, by the way. I like, for all of that, there's like, yeah, I, I, I can get why you would paint your toenails to this movie. Um, yeah. There's, there's just... If it sounds like I like this movie, I don't, I don't know that I do. I guess I'm just like... I'm trying to appreciate it from afar as a thing that is framed on the wall of the museum of a genre that I am not very conversant in. Um, but also, despite that, I also don't want to, you know... I, w- I want to pay some respect to like a genre that is frequently looked down upon and and why it hits when it's done a little bit better than it necessarily has to be but um i'm gonna be i'm gonna be so fucking sick of all these things tricks when they do it badly in the sequel and uh oh god they made three of Mm -hmm. these (laughs) yeah i guess um that's as good a time as any to segue into projected rankings yeah I I bet it'll be one three two because oh, yeah. the shit I'm hearing the shit I'm seeing on the cover of two, and it starts with Hugh and ends with Grant. Um, <laughs> God, Jesus Christ! Sorry, Adderall's wearing off. We we hit nine forty five. It's all downhill from here, folks. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just like can't imagine that I will like two because it seems like they try to go back to a bunch of wells that are long since dried. Um, and I, I am hopeful that there will be some new aspects of the third one that I can glom onto. And I, PJ, to your point, I also am hopeful that the world has changed, uh, around Bridget Jones in such a way as to be like a little bit kinder, a little bit more accommodating. Um, yeah. Totally. I want to say that. Uh, everything I said also is coming from a perspective of someone with thin privilege. So I don't even, you know, I'm sure I'm sure there are a lot of points and perspectives that I hadn't even considered because of yeah. where I'm coming from. Um, mm-hmm. All I know is that this movie is incredibly problematic, and I 
closed my eyes and I went bup, 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 <laughs> um, and yeah. covered my ears and I liked the rest of it. I liked the rest of it. Yeah. I would always watch like The Holiday or Love Actually before I would watch this. <laughs> like this is just like a little bit sinister compared to the other British rom-coms that I think are kind of fun. So I think I would say um, one, uh, I don't know. But in the third one, it, it, there's like Patrick Dempsey for no reason, right? I don't know what yeah. the reason is, but I generally think if Patrick Dempsey is there, that there's no reason for him to be there and that there should be fewer Patrick Dempseys. Yeah. Well, I mean, Patrick Dempsey added a ton of value to... um. That's... Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm going to say... Of honor. I'm going to say... <laughs> I don't know how, but you, you said it in such a way that made clear that it's spelled D. <laughs> um, I am going to say one, two, three. I don't know anything about the second or third one. I just feel like if a movie title is Bridget Jones's Baby... That's got to be so fucking bad. <laughs> like I also well that's a good point Becky because also the sequel title as bad as it may be the sequel title rules but also makes it sound like it was by George R R Martin. What is it again? Uh, it's called uh Bridget Jones I think it's called Bridget Jones The Edge of Reason. So cool. <laughs> Philosophical. Sounds like the title of, like, a book of essays about Bridget Jones. You know what I mean? How the fuck is it called that? What is it about? I am so intrigued. The Edge of... The Edge of Reason sounds like a, a book that uh, of like his the stuff on David Foster Wallace's desk they found after he killed himself. Oh! If it's not that, I'm gonna be so bummed. Um, yeah. Weird that he's in that movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's pointing at a lobster. <laughs> it's a fun little Easter egg for the fans. Uh, <laughs> he, he appears as Salman Rushdie's new boyfriend. Um, that's a weird cameo. I was about to say, like, we should wrap this up, but it's really weird that Salman Rushdie's in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just something to take home with no you, No commentary, everybody. just weird. Mm-hmm, yep. So strange. Well, all right. Until next Wait, time. Wait, Peach didn't. Can I um? Can I rank the movies? Oh no! No no no! <laughs> no, no! Sorry, sorry. We, we weren't going to do that on this one. <laughs> you while you were in the bathroom, we were talking about how it's just going to be me and Becky now. When they get back, I got this idea. Just go with it. I've, Becky, I've got an epic prank on the brain. <laughs> on the brain. Um, my my ranking is going to be a a very solid one three two we we have a we have someone who is i think confirmed to come on for edge of reason who i've been uh talking to on the phone about what we're in for and um oh no um and as long as there's none of that stuff in in bridget jones's baby then i have a very very hard time imagining that i could i could rank it any other way um, but I'm, mm. uh, I am excited. I am excited to see where this goes. Cause, um, I guess money talks. Cause I wouldn't have thought there was any more juice in that lemon. And, uh, maybe there isn't, but I've, I've, I've there got, I've got be. an open mind now.
I have a closed yeah. mind. My mind is sealed shut at the bottom of <laughs> at, at the Atlantic. I can't believe there's more movies. I, uh, the perfect balance in all things, have a sort of open mind. <laughs> now you're the child of divorce. Dang. <laughs> PJ, I'm so I'm so sorry. I uh, almost tried to end the podcast before you did your <laughs> epic pr- epic epic prank on uh, podcast co-host. Almost I. <laughs> Do not click. <laughs> There's a dildo in the in in the in the, uh, in the picture for no reason. <laughs> it, the, my the background been uh, under my soy face inexplicably from Fortnite. <laughs> Hmm. All right, let's leave these people alone. <laughs> we don't have to tell them anything else. <laughs> okay, I have to go really fast. Dead Horses, Becky Granger, Dixon Cashwell, and PJ Audencia. We'd like to thank Max Huffman for our podcast art. Go to maxhuffman.com and order his book, Cover Not Finals. Follow us on social media. Check us out at Dead Horse Podcast on Instagram and Dead Horse the Pod on Twitter. If you're on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars. The song is from Dixon. I like it. Do you guys like it? Tell Dixon. I li- Dixon, we like it. <laughs>